This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 18 of Healthy Critters Radio on the Horse Radio Network. Healthy Critters Radio is brought to you by Biostar US. Find them online at biostarus.com. On today's show, we talk to Randy Golding, who's the manager of Green River Farm in Tryon, North Carolina and Wellington, Florida. And we'll talk about how she feeds show hunters and fox hunters and jumpers with a whole food diet. to share with you guys today <laughs> okay <laughs> okay that we only want to hear two you can't okay. have three can't have three, no. okay so the first one is that we have been getting um emails uh from listeners that are using warhorse oh really That's awesome yes and there several are using warhorse for horse laundry and oh. they said that it's really made a difference in their pads, because you know how when you wash with a detergent, some horse's skin is really sure. sensitive yeah. to it. Yeah. And the, 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 the horses aren't reacting to it at all. So it's not causing any irritation and it's getting the pads really clean. And one listener mentioned that it's the best thing to, to clean, you know, anything sheepskin or wool. Oh, yeah. And that's, uh, oh, that's that a great is idea. so cool to know. Isn't that cool? Yeah. yeah I love that. So, um, you know, put Warhorse in your horse laundry. Yeah, there you go. go. I wanted to get it for my laundry. (laughs) Is that the second thing you're going to share? And apparently the terrier agrees. (laughs) Yes. Yoda agrees. All right. And the second thing is, um, not to make you guys jealous or anything, but... Oh, no. um, Here we go. I'm eating fresh Cherokee tomatoes. Out of my garden. Yeah, that was a little mean. That was. That was. Yeah. I'm and they're, they're just perfect. <laughs> tell, tell, me, tell me about the Cherokee tomato. Yeah. Do you not know what a Cherokee tomato uh, is? Obviously, or I would not have asked. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually called a Cherokee purple because it actually is a reddy, purpley colored tomato. Not as, as dark as a black crim. And it... You know, it traces its lineage back to the Cherokee Indians on the East Coast. Okay. Oh. And it's what makes it such an amazing tomato is it has the taste of childhood. And what I mean by that is we all know what a tomato was like. Yeah. 40, 50. Well, see, here's the thing is only a certain percentage of us know what a tomato tastes like. If you're under the age of about 20, you don't know what a real tomato yeah. tastes like. Okay, so you yeah. need to get a Cherokee tomato, <laughs> Cherokee purple, and eat it and realize what a real tomato is versus a pseudo tomato. Oh, do I miss tomatoes? Yeah. And it, wow. you know, it has a lot of juice, but oh, the flavor good. is dimensional. Really? And it's not highly acid like so many of the hybrids are. You know, this mm-hmm. is an heirloom. The, uh, the plant itself puts out a lot of of Cherokee tomatoes. So when you start harvesting, you get... Oh, you're giving a, them to your friends, aren't you? Uh, no. <laughs> I was going to say, they get the zucchinis, but not the tomatoes. Yeah. yeah, that's right. You know, we can them, we freeze them. We sort of hold on to our tomatoes. Yeah. But anyway, it's, you know, it's that season where you can go out to the garden and pick a fresh Cherokee tomato. Uh, I mean, there's just there's just nothing better. It sounds it's, so good. It's so good. And Virginia has really good climate to grow tomatoes. See, that's yeah. where it's not fair. Central Florida, not so much. Yeah, yeah. There are there had to be some disadvantage to living here, and I guess I found it. Yeah. Not real <laughs> well, great. I, tomato I think part of it is your soil composition. Well, and we get rain in fits and starts. It's it's. Very, yeah, very hot in the summertime. like rain, but well, they also like hot weather. They like hot yeah. weather. They like rain. But what happens is it rains four inches all at one time. Yeah, that's not So yeah, if you've got true. them in, it, it washes the nutrients through the soil at a very rapid rate. There's a really good book called Tomato Land. 
And it's written by, I believe he's a New York Times reporter called Barry Estabrook. And it starts out, he's driving down on I-70 in Florida, right? He's headed Mm -hmm. to Naples. And this truck passes him, a big tractor trailer full of tomatoes. They're green, right? And, and, And the truck is passing him at 70 miles an hour and a couple of the tomatoes roll out. And they hit the pavement. And they don't break. Ah, oh. oh my gosh! <laughs> oh. I, I highly recommend this book. Not only is it well written, it's sort of like a—he's like the Indiana Jones of tomatoes. It takes forty-two different pesticides and herbicides to grow. Now you're you're ruining it for me. Oh uh, man! I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, she's not. <laughs> So when, the, I, when when she had two things to share, you didn't realize you've gone it was, was going to turn the corner. We've gone down the rabbit hole. Yeah, yeah. Just well, tell me they just tell me they're full of chemicals and and don't go there. <laughs> it's an excellent book and a real eye opener to you know how this one particular food is grown in the U.S. with Florida yeah. being the biggest producer of it. Wow. Well. I feel bad now. I'm embarrassed. <laughs> yeah. Well, there we go. That's that's what's going yeah. on here at uh, Healthy Critters and healthy Radio. Critters. <laughs> yeah. And healthy humans. And healthy, and healthy humans. humans. Well, uh, we've we've got to get going along with our show. We've got got it chaco block full of stuff. Hedwig's going to stop by and visit, and we're going to learn about oats and electrolytes, and then we're going to have a little dog chat at the end of yes, the show. Yes, little dog chat. Here we go. This episode's special guest segment is brought to you by Warhorse, naturally aggressive and fiercely kind. And we're here with Randy Golding, who is the manager of Green River Farm in Wellington and Tryon, North Carolina. And Randy and I have known each other for, I don't know, what is it, Randy, five or six years, maybe even longer. Yeah, I think so. At least five years. <laughs> and Randy is is um, a manager of how many horses do you guys have now? We have twelve right now: hunters, so, jumpers, and a couple of fox hunters and retirees. So it's a, a real blend: fox hunters, a circuit show hunters, a circuit jumpers. And um, when I first met Randy was when um, we were talking about doing a. Uh, a change of diet at the farm. And uh, Randy, you you have now had uh, been on the whole food diet, these horses, for five years. What 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 is your experience of the diet and feeding the kinds of horses that, that are in your care? The, the diet has been amazing. Our horses have never looked better. They uh, Their coats are healthy. Uh, the diet is so easy to to do, to feed. We were already wetting our feed anyway, so that was a simple transition. But as far as putting the horses on it and managing what they eat, it has been so easy. Uh, they felt better. They started to feel better under saddle, I would say, within six months, and it's just continued to progress. Um, they're quieter. They're just so much happier. What, you know, we, we talk a lot about there's different components to the feeds. How difficult did, did you find it to learn, you know, when to feed alfalfa and how much and when to add a fat and when to use the omega-3s and whether you need to add a carbohydrate grain like oats? Well, I didn't think it was that difficult because I would call you. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Because I'm sitting here thinking I would have just called Tigger. That's a great question. So Tigger, yeah. when um, did you? <laughs> and so I, I learned through you a lot about it. Um, and but I just always kept in the back of my mind. You start with the the fiber forage and go from there. And that's how I try and balance the diet is is making sure. Um, I have plenty of good hay, but then start with the basis of alfalfa pellets. I do have one that's on Timothy pellets, but everybody else is on alfalfa pellets. And depending on whether they needed more muscle development or maybe just more weight, I would go with increasing alfalfa pellets versus the beet pulp. And uh, in the barn that we have, 
I really don't feed oats anymore. I did for a little while for one of our hunters who needed some more energy oats and barley. But for right now, I'm not really, I'm not using oats. Um, and it's, everybody looks amazing. And didn't somebody, you were recently showing at Tryon, the horses were showing at Tryon, and somebody commented on how your horses looked? Yes, they they um, were just uh, amazed. And in Wellington, the same thing. Uh, a friend of Jennifer's just commented on how amazing all of our horses looked, how dappled they were. And they just, they look fit, not fat. And the hunters are bigger than what you would want as a jumper, but they used to look so bloated. And now they they just have a great body condition. And it's just so easy to keep them that way. And I find that I have very few that I have to feed a lot of the diet to. I feed the majority of them are a cup of alfalfa pellets and a half cup to a cup of flaxseed. Wow. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's not a lot. <laughs> no. <laughs> and they're now, all do big you adjust blocks. it when, uh, say, the, uh, the, uh, one of the horses may have a few days off? Um, do you well, uh, change the amounts a much? Change, a change in, in, in that I will if they're going to go into a, a period where they're not going to work very hard, then I will... It, the ones who are getting a little more food will I'll maybe cut it in half or or take away the the fat supplement I use of Renew Gold for my kind of ones that need or a little bit harder keepers. Uh-huh. Um, and would definitely the one when I did use oats and barley I would take them off oats and barley typically on going into Monday and for Monday for the day off. Um, but we don't really give them a lot of downtime they may not show all the time but when they're home they're still doing some work to stay fit Mm. but it is very easy to adjust it because you never feel like you're changing the diet to adjust it you're just maybe taking a couple of things out for a little while and then just putting it back in right and i had one hunter when he went off to go show at devon he um you know, he was gone for about 10 days, and he dropped a little bit of weight, so I just added some beet pulp back into his diet, and he looks fantastic now, and it's been perfect. Hmm. Have so you noticed a change in um, how their their GI tracts feel, how their guts feel? Yeah, their their manure consistently is, is much better and um, kind of the perfectly formed, a bit soft, and one thing I've noticed over the years of feeding it is they seem to digest everything. Even when we first started feeding it for the first year or so, you would see the holes of the flaxseed and you would see holes, and I'm not feeding oats, but you would see holes of oats. Now I don't even really see the holes of the flaxseed. I mean, they're using everything, everything. that I'm feeding them. So I'm, I'm going to let um, our listeners in on a little secret in that Randy um, was a, a part of the inspiration for Biostar's formula Theracom. And, in fact, it was the horses in her care that were among the first group of test horses. So, Randy, maybe you'd like to talk about Theracom. Well, I in, in talking to you, and I've been a consistent user of Equilibrium cookies and the tummies, which I'd like to use in conjunction with each other um, prior to maybe riding one after a day off or when I go fox hunting, I hunt a tracaner who can be a bit of a handful or for the hunters who need to just be a little bit quieter. And it worked great, but I'd also had some experience with the True Balance and knowing that that had the holy basil in it and the whole impact of cortisol and stress and how it affects a horse's attitude, and just talking to Tigger, we discussed some ways to maybe enhance equilibrium and do something that would be one that they could stay on for a week or two and just maybe just take that stressful edge off of it. And I've used it on some horses that maybe one gets a little anxious about the farrier, so I start him a few days before on it, and he stays on it, and then he'll just come off of it. Um, one that I took fox hunting this winter in Florida, he just gets a little nervous, and he's just a little insecure is the way I describe him, 
and it was beautiful. It worked perfectly, and he was perfectly behaved fox hunting. Um, I've got a couple right now who have to behave and turn out, and they haven't always behaved and turn out, and they're <laughs> on it. And they have not turned a hair in turnout since they've been on it. And, you know, the thing that I, I, I really like about it is how it addresses the brain gut, which I think is critical, plus the added component of the cortisol. And yet it doesn't take the energy away from them. Because I think sometimes when we're trying to address stress and producing serotonin in the brain, we can sort of make them, I don't want to say deadheads, but they lose sort of their luster, Spark, yeah, their sparkle. sparkle. Sometimes. Yeah. Well, that, that's a great point because one, one of them in particular that I am using right now to make sure he behaves in turnout is almost too quiet at the horse shows. And I, I didn't use it in Florida this year because he was fine in turnout. Our turnout was smaller. Because he was so quiet and he didn't need anything, we actually needed a little more energy. Um, but coming back here, my bigger pastures, and I needed to make sure he wasn't going to run around like an orangutan. And it hasn't taken away his energy. Um, yeah. He's been brilliant and quite good in the show ring and then just a perfect gentleman at home. So I, I don't know that he'll have to live on it, but just the, the stage right now where we are with him here with me in North Carolina, he's going to be on it for now. And then, um, but it's worked beautifully. And, and I think the addition of that whey protein in it, along with the casein has yeah. really made it a, an outstanding product. And I'm so, really so Tigger, this is a question. So can you keep them on it? Yes. Okay. So you can do that with equilibrium or you just do that in replace of equilibrium. Um, equilibrium is, is great to give, um, because it's a cookie. So you right. can give it, you know, you know, right before you, the horse is going to trailer or if, if it's training stress at home and you just need something to deal with that particular stressor. Right. But if you're looking at stress in a, in a broader sense of how it affects the horse, uh, excuse me. Thank you. Um, terrier on alert, <laughs> um, <laughs> then I think that, especially if the horse has any kind of ulcer sensitivity, then um, Theracom is, is yeah, okay. probably the better choice. That's interesting. So, Randy, if you were, and I know you have, you know, talked to lots of other um, barn managers and riders and about the diet, if you could, you know, sum up what if somebody was sitting on the fence going, I would really like to do it, but I just, it just seems overwhelming. What would you say to them? Well, one example I like to use is, is Patty, because I know that she has a large operation with horses coming in and out all the time and has <laughs> told me when I met Patty four or five years ago in Wellington briefly right. um, that it was very simple and it, it is so simple. The, the guys who work for us are, I have excellent help, but they it's very it's a very uncomplicated program and that's what i stress to them and it's so simple the transition is so easy from commercial feed to the whole food diet because it the, the important pieces of the whole food diet are what's part of the commercial feed and you're just you're taking away all the other junk that's in the commercial yeah. feed and so it's a very simple transition and uh, it's, it's sometimes it's people are afraid of change, and especially in the horse business. And it's just a matter of getting them to maybe even try it on just one horse. But yeah, you have somebody say, um, "Oh, it's just going to be so much more time consuming." And I just don't think it is. I mean, there's so many feeds that are out there today that are in bags that have to be wetted down, or should be wetted down, or people are wetting their foods down. And it's just that one simple step. You know, it's just not that big of a deal, you know? No, no, it's not. And it's, it's very, it's simple. It's so yeah. simple. 
Randy, how long does it take for you to make up feed for 12 horses? I've never timed it. It doesn't, maybe 15 minutes? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't, it doesn't take an inordinate amount of time. That's pretty good. Yeah. um, There's not not that many components. Components, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Majority of horses really can have alfalfa pellets and flaxseed. Yeah. And maybe speedy beet and, um, but other than that, I mean, there's a few that need the cool stance or the renew gold and maybe in the dressage world or in the high level show jumpers, they need some oats, but it's just not that complicated. No. I agree. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we know I do. So I have have to jump in because I have a question. I just saw it. Yeah, <laughs> you just saw it. So, mm-hmm. on average, in your barn, you have jumpers and hunters. How many different ingredients do you have to pour into a given horse's feed bucket on a daily basis? The most I would pour into a horse's feed bucket would be four. Four. Now, and how? Because typically, if you use a commercially produced feed you go to the feed store or you call the feed store for a delivery and they deliver a bag of grain the bag of grain generally gets poured into some type of bulk container and mm-hmm. you have a big old feed scoop and you scoop it into their bucket yeah how has this changed how you shop for your horse's feed stuffs well my the feed store that i was buying feed from carries everything I need except one, the Speedy Beat. So that has been simple. And the, the Speedy Beat has been the one kind of limiting factor down in the south, but there is a local feed store that does carry it. Mm-hmm. But everything else, they have. So and, you, you well, actually didn't have to change your habit a lot. You don't have to go to no, specialty I didn't have to go anywhere or order from else. overseas. Or <laughs> no, no I, I didn't. And I know people are, you know, feeding all kinds of feeds that they're having to order in or buy pallets of. But, no, it was my feed store had everything I needed to do this. Um, and one thing in the South that I was having a problem with and I quit feeding barley was because in the South, in the heat, it was hard to keep yeah. feed grain. And that's the beauty of this diet, too, is what I feed and what I think you could probably maintain pretty much any horse on, you don't have to worry about that. Mm-hmm. It's not going to spoil in the heat. Yeah. So what is, tell us what an average one of your horses is eating and what ingredients exactly. And An average one of my horses is yeah. eating two cups of alfalfa pellets, a cup of speedy beet, and a cup of flaxseed twice a day. Holy cow. Mm-hmm. That's not even. I really, I actually have more on the lower spectrum. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's not. It's it's not even. That's a quart of food total. Yeah. Wow. How many times a day? Twice a day. And how much hay? They're getting uh, twenty pounds, probably. I'm very generous with our hay. Yay! We do. We have our own hay that we grow, our orchard hay that we grow, and that's what I feed. Dang, you are we're lucky. Not, yeah, we're not wasteful with it, but they eat what we put in front of them. Right. Now this this brings up a question for Tigger. I'm hijacking your interview here, but this just got my brain going. <laughs> that's good. No. Uh, <laughs> let's let's compare apples to apples. You can either buy lovely second cutting Timothy hay, or you can buy some rather bleached looking late bloom timothy hay neither of which have any dust or mold or weeds but one was harvested at optimum time when it's got as many nutrients as it can and one was harvested when it really doesn't have as many nutrients as it could if and you can if you buy the nicer one you can only afford to feed so much but if you buy the less expensive one you can feed more therefore addressing the horse's need for forage is where are you better off at? Because you have to take care of the horse's gut motility, but you also have to take care of his nutrient needs. Can you do a blend of both? Of course, I knew you would say Oh, that. my gosh. Tigger, <laughs> do you want me to put you in a timeout? 
You know, Jen, (laughs) I knew that this was going to (laughs) happen. It's what I, it's what I personally would do. My Mm -hmm. compromise would be, I want them to, you know, always be eating 20 hours a day and I would mix the really good stuff that has, I mean, when, when, when a second cutting hay or a first cutting hay hasn't been dried carefully, it ends up getting sun bleached and, you know, may have not been grown in optimal conditions. We are robbing our horses of really important, particularly minerals. Mm-hmm. Um, it also could affect the non-structural carbohydrate content. So the sugars and starches may be higher. And you're going to be really lacking in some key fat soluble, which is vitamin E, vitamin A, and probably the omega-3s. So for me, the compromise would be, let's give some good, let's give some okay, and and I would still absolutely, unless the horse can maintain great on fresh grass and hay, I would also add, you know, some alfalfa pellets. I would add, you know, some more omega-3s, flax or chia. Mm-hmm. And depending on the weight of the horse, if I, you know, needed to supplement the the fat and and needed an energy source, then I would add renew gold or cool stance. So you often refer uh, mention alfalfa pellets. Is there a difference between feeding an alfalfa pellet and an alfalfa cube? No, okay. it's just that the pellets don't need to be soaked as long as the cubes. Mm-hmm. You can literally put the pellets in the bucket, add water, and serve. Yeah. Okay. The other um, thing I find with alfalfa pellets as well as since they are denser and heavier, you don't have to feed as the volume. Yeah, that's what I like about it. That you would have to feed of an alfalfa cube. So, and, and that's one reason I switched, but more because the, the soak is quicker. Um, there is one thing I think I would like to qualify with what I said about <laughs> the hay. And, um, and I have adjusted my eye in buying hay, like when we go to Florida, and what I feel like is quality, and I honestly prefer to feed a Timothy that's mixed with some grass hay, which typically is a little less expensive than yep. what your straight pure Timothy is. And the horses are, have done did quite well on that this this winter in Florida with a Timothy that had grass hay in it. It's, it's not easy to find good orchard hay, so I'm very lucky that we grow it. When I when I'm in Wellington, it, it's um, harder to find so but I was able to get some Timothy that had some clover and dandelions and other grasses in it and it was less expensive and the horses were beautiful on it and maintained their weight even though I really don't have much grass down there either so I think it's a matter of kind of retraining your brain as to what you Mm -hmm. think quality hay is as well that's a very good point yeah well, Randy, thanks so much for your time. I know you're ready to leave the barn and, and go home and have dinner. So <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. And um, I'll talk no, to you soon. It, it was my pleasure. Thank you guys for thank talking you, Randy. to me. We know that cleaners and products we use have a great impact on the well-being of our families, our animals, our farms, and the earth. Warhorse works to offer our customers naturally aggressive and fiercely kind cleaners that provide effectiveness, versatility, and value. And Warhorse does this with special combinations of simple, humble, but extraordinary plant oils that have no pesticides, no metals, no glyphosate, no petroleum, no sulfate ingredients, and no genetically modified organisms. Warhorse's equine pet and people soaps use an exclusive raw sunflower oil that retains its waxes, lecithin, and vitamin E. And add some skin-loving avocado, coconut almond, and dead sea minerals, and you've got a buffet of healthy benefits for your farm family. All Warhorse cleaners are naturally aggressive on dirt and grime and fiercely kind to the most sensitive skin, even our pure gold and multi-purpose cleaners. So go ahead, get in the mud and get dirty. Warhorse has got your clean, a Warhorse kind of clean. Warhorse products are available at Biostar US. You can find them online at biostarus.com or call us direct 
and Tigger, Tigger and Patty. How are you? Don't forget to say hi to Jennifer. Yeah. Jennifer. Hello, Hedwig. <laughs> Lovely to hear from you. Well, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure to speak with you as well. Sounds like you're driving a car, Hedwig. Well, I am not driving the car, Patty, because the service is doing that. I have people to drive me. <laughs> and see, I like that. <laughs> well, I, I have a question for you. Uh-huh. My question is, do, what recommendations do you have or what do you do when dogs are being introduced to cats? Uh-oh. Well, that is a delicate subject for sure. Okay. Because cats can be a bit cranky. And so it is imperative, trust me, imperative, is that the dog be on its P's and Q's. Its paws should be on the ground. Yes. Okay. And it should mind its manners because cats are almost as fabulous as Pomeranians. Yeah. Really? <laughs> oh, yes. Okay. So, for example, over the winter, we lived with a pair of tiny, tiny kittens who were in a big crate because they were too small to be free. And then we came home and they were free. And <laughs> we are very friendly with those kittens. We love them. My sister and I, we play with them even. Of course, they are a bit odd and like to climb trees. But we try to overlook this, for they are otherwise quite excellent friends. Okay. And so if you are introducing a dog to a cat, the first thing is to ask the cat if it wants to meet the dog. <laughs> Good. Okay. Good point. Had, did not think of it that way. Okay. And if the cat is willing to entertain a new acquaintance of the canine persuasion, then you should bring the dog, and the dog should be very quiet and polite and preferably deferential to the cat, because okay. the cat is smarter than the dog, unless the dog is a Pomeranian, in which case the dog would know to do all of this anyway. <laughs> and there you have it. Yeah. Well, thank thank you, because that was a that was a very that was a very tough question, and I think you really answered it well. The, the key is to talk to the cat first. Talk to the cat first. Do you have that down, girls? I, I have made a note, and I'm going to pass it on to the Australian shepherds. Yeah. The cat I'm... does not want to meet them. <laughs> That's kind of what I was just thinking from what you were saying. The cat does not want to meet them. It does not want to be picked up like a turtle and moved. The cat wants to be left alone. And if Yodi, my friend Yodi, decides to chase the cat, I am ashamed. <laughs> well, she's a terrier. She she doesn't know any better. Yeah. It's true. She is a lesser life form. But if she cannot be controlled. <laughs> like the, the Australian Shepherds, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Hattie. Well, thanks. Have a safe trip home with your servant. Thank you. I'm so happy to have been of help. So, for this segment of Artigopedia, I have decided that I wanted to ask you, Tigger, about oats. I there's all different types of oats, and it can be a very important part of the whole food diet. And there are um, whole oats, and there are crimped oats, and then isn't there a third type of oat that's even more rolled. of a? Um, pardon me, rolled oats, right? So I was always under the impression if you wanted a horse to absorb it faster, you would go with the ones that look like Quaker oatmeal which are the, the rolled oats, correct? Well, <laughs> uh, rolled or crimped, yes. Right. But the crimp still has, doesn't the crimped have a little bit of the, the husk still on it? And that's it just does. It's, okay. it's been cracked. Yeah. Okay. Crimped means somebody took a big hammer and stepped on it. 
Yes. Which kind of could be fun, depending on how you're feeling emotionally. Yeah. I often go out and just crack whole whole oats. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I can just see that. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, you know, there's different, there's different types of oats. So, okay, I'm calling you and I'm saying I'm putting my horse on a whole food diet, but I need, uh, energy. And if you would recommend oats for energy, what type of oat are you going to recommend and why? I recommend whole oats. And the reason that I do is that hull that surrounds the, the germ and the endosperm and the bran of the, of the oat that is a real fibrous material. It's um, got a lot of lignans in it. So a lot of what? Lignin. <laughs> okay. You know, like hay. You know, right. Uh, okay. So plants have lignin, right? Right. Okay. So as the oat is passing through the GI tract, that fibrous hull is slowing the digestion okay. of the carbohydrates. Okay. And what ends up in the manure, what people think that their horses haven't digested the oats, they just haven't digested the hull. Right. Okay. So for me, higher digestibility means quicker release of carbohydrates. Okay. I want okay. a slower release. Okay. So that it's a sustained amount of energy Correct. over a longer period of time. Correct. Because okay. Carbohydrate energy is quick energy. Right. So I want to slow it down. Okay. And I also think that um, there's a reason that nature put that hull to protect it and that that hull is fiber. Okay. Because the horse's diet is primarily fibrous. Right. Okay. So So for me, it's the best way to feed an oat. So I like, you know that's commonly known as um, steamed, cleaned racehorse oats. Right. Right, right, right. Okay. And the great thing about that is they're the least expensive out of the Yeah, or I know. The, Isn't it yeah. amazing? Yeah. Okay. I it's actually a- looked up a study and it said that crimping oats only increases digestibility by 6%. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's not that significant. And I, so- I think bruising... You know, because there you have to crack the oat hull rolled oats. They actually, you know, put them under heavy rollers. Right. And they're dehusked, so there's no husk at all. Right. So what would be the advantage? I mean, what was the thinking of that initially? Um, just because it was more digestible? Ju- digestible? Is that why there was? They I offer that? I think that um, many people misinterpreted seen the hull in the manure mm-hmm. as they're not ah, contesting it. And okay. so when they cracked it, they didn't see the hull. Even though it could have potentially still been there. Exactly. Okay. Just broken into small, smaller pieces. Okay. So, so, so having said all of that, so it's the uh, racehorse uh, oats that we'd be looking to feed. So, but that is something that, so the next question is, is that when people say I need more energy, um, that is one of the products that you can put in the whole food diet. Yes. You can add oats for carbohydrate. That's the quick burn energy. So for, let's say barrel horses, Mm -hmm. um, show jumpers, eventers, you know, you need that quick energy. So oats is a great source of quick energy. Okay. But if you need long burn energy that, that maintains energy over a greater amount of time, that would be a dressage horse. Again, right. an event horse too. Mm-hmm. Um, then you would want to add a fat source or maybe, I mean, maybe you would do both. You do some carbohydrate and some fat. Um, if the horse is metabolic, you want to stay away from the carbohydrate and just focus on, um, a medium chain fat, which like coconut, um, which just fuels the muscles and organs. I've got a great question. Okay. Having never fed whole oats, I know growing up, um, when I was a working student, a lot of horses ate whole oats, um, especially horses that were racing. Yep. In a whole foods diet, as we recognize it today in this application, these horses are not, they're, they're getting oats because they need that, the carbohydrates, they need the quick energy, but they're not getting five and six and seven oh, quarts of oats. No, 
Now, racehorses, their caloric needs are way beyond that of most sport horses. Right. So, um, for a, a, you know, a sport horse, you know, we feed oats on average, you know, by the cup Mm -hmm. or by the half a cup or by two cups, Mm -hmm. but we don't feed a lot of carbohydrates. And the better the horse's digestive system gets on whole food, really, the more efficient they are at using the carbohydrates in plants. Uh, Mm. So so as their health, as their digestive system becomes healthier, they're able to utilize the nutrients in... in, Yeah, because think about the wild horses. Now, you know, they don't eat, nobody gives them a bucket of oats. Right. Um, They do eat the seed heads. You know, oats is like a grass seed head. Right. And when they have to run away from the mountain lion those horses can turn it on and run and they can run for miles. Right. And they're running pretty much on fiber and fat energy. Okay. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good description of that. Okay. Nigel is very excited about the fact that I bought a little bag of oats. He's looking forward to them. (laughs) (laughs) I bet he is. Looking at that pile of alfalfa with flaxseed in it. (laughs) This is really boring crap, people. (laughs) Give me some grain. I want some grain. Well, that's so funny. Well, okay. Well, that that was extraordinarily helpful, as I knew it would be. (laughs) I know a lot more about oats than I used to. Thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. Now, do you have a, a blog post? Because I know over on BiostarUS.com, you have lots of really interesting blog posts. Do you have uh, a blog post over there that deals with oats and things? Um, I don't know. Well, you should know these things, Tigger. Yeah. But when you consider that I have been writing blogs for 10 years for this company, one to two a month, it, it's it's a fantastic amount of. I'm gonna have to go and use the search bar, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and unfortunately, you know, when we we've moved from different websites, and and some of the material has been uh, didn't lost, get yeah. transferred. Oh, yes. So um, I I am working on my whole food handbook. We're in the process of editing it, and uh, the plan is to have it available December one of this year. Oh, that's awesome. Today in Critter Nutrition, we're going to talk about electrolytes. Horses cool themselves by sweating, and they can sweat up to three times as much as humans do. Horses can sweat up to four gallons an hour, particularly in hot, humid weather. Equine sweat is hypertonic, meaning that it contains more salt than body fluids. Because of this, horses lose more salt, other minerals, and water through sweat than humans do. What are electrolytes? Electrolytes are minerals that are dissolved in body fluids. They are important for a wide range of functions, including regulation of body fluid levels in and out of the cells, nerve impulse transmission, muscle contraction, pumping of the heart, movement of food and water through the gut, and filtering waste products through the kidney and liver. The major electrolytes are sodium, chloride, potassium, calcium, and magnesium. The function of each electrolyte, sodium helps balance the body's water levels and maintain blood pressure. Chloride is required by the body to maintain balance of acids and bases. Potassium helps balance fluid inside the cells, and it's vital for muscle, heart, and kidney function. Calcium is essential for maintaining normal skeletal and heart muscle contractions and contributes to the function of heart, nerves, muscle, and blood clotting. Magnesium is important for for normal muscle function. Although the loss of any of these minerals will disrupt functioning a nerve and muscle, the loss of both sodium and potassium will cause a rapid decrease in thirst and appetite and will delay rehydration. Electrolytes in the equine diet 
are in grasses, hays, and commercial feeds. However, for working horses, additional electrolytes must be supplemented. Salt should always be provided for horses, even if they are not in work. Mineral salt blocks can supply adequate salt, but in heat and humidity, additional salt supplementation is recommended. The best sources of electrolytes. Celtic sea salt is one of the best sources of electrolytes. Celtic sea salt is harvested in Brittany, France, in the centuries-old tradition of sun-drying the seawater and hand-raking the moist crystals. No other processing is done. Celtic sea salts contain 70 trace minerals and sulfur, plus the electrolytes, sodium, chloride, potassium, calcium, and magnesium. Himalayan salt is also an excellent source of electrolytes, providing 84 trace elements, sulfur, and the electrolytes, sodium, chloride, potassium, calcium, and magnesium. Himalayan salts were formed 200 million years ago in ancient seabeds that were then covered in lava. When Himalayan salt is harvested from these ancient beds, it is sun-dried and unprocessed. Some claim that it may be the purest salt on the planet. How about table salt? Table salt is highly processed under heat, stripped of its mineral complex, leaving only sodium chloride. It is bleached and treated with anti-caking agents and aluminum derivatives. Table salt only provides sodium chloride and due to processing, no longer provides the other electrolytes that are important in the whole electrolyte complex of minerals. Strange as it may seem, some table salt is actually the flaky residue from crude oil extraction. Reading the labels on equine electrolyte supplements. Because supplement companies are not required to include the sources of their ingredients, reading the guaranteed analysis of an electrolyte supplement can be a bit mystifying. Where does the sodium and chloride in the formulas come from? Table salt, perhaps? However, reading the ingredient statement gives clear clues as to what is in these formulas. Reviewing several popular electrolyte supplements, I found the following ingredients. Maltodextrin, which is genetically modified corn used as a sweetener. Natural and artificial flavors, which could be 25 to 200 different chemical combinations. Vegetable oil, which is a blend of GMO soy and GMO corn Heat extracted with the solvent hexane. Artificial apple flavor, which is 100% synthesized in a lab with solvents, emulsifiers, flavor modifiers, and preservatives. Those make up 80 to 90% of the mixture. Artificial coloring. Many of these colorings are now banned in the EU. Artificial orange flavor, which is similar to artificial apple flavor. Yellow FDNC number six aluminum lake. Now, this really threw me for one because I didn't know what aluminum lake was. But here's what it is these are color additives used in food and cosmetics, formed by reacting straight dyes, such as FDNC yellow number six, with precipitants, salts, and aluminum. Aluminum lakes are commonly used to make eyeshadow. Only two brands that I looked at had no sweeteners or highly processed oils or artificial coloring or flavorings or aluminum lakes. It was Platinum Performance and Peak Performance Nutrients. Biostar, of course, does not use any additives of any kind. Heat stress. According to Dr. Michael Lingender of the University of Gulf in Ontario, Canada, Providing water alone after periods of heat stress results in a dilution of already depleted electrolyte solutions in the body. Kidneys read this ingested water as an overload, resulting in excretion of more water, taking with it even more electrolytes. A horse will become even more dehydrated when drinking only water. Dr. Lingender points out that electrolytes in too great a concentration, slurries or paste, are equally troublesome. 
This causes the horse's body to direct water into the upper intestinal tract to dilute the electrolytes, thus dehydrating the horse further. This highlights the fact that if your horse refuses to drink, do not administer an electrolyte paste because it will further dehydration. Get the horse cool. Even adding ice to the water or isopropyl alcohol. Scrape the water off immediately, reapply the cold water, scrape off again to prevent it from becoming an insulator. Use fans or a shady area to cool the horse. Horses in severe heat stress may need numerous liters of intravenous fluids administered by a veterinarian. Remember, trailering in hot weather can also bring on heat stress. Feeding a wet feed, soaking hay before exercise, providing adequate electrolyte supplementation on a daily basis can help reduce the potential for dehydration. Horses that have a high level of forage or hay intake before they are worked helps the body store extra water and electrolytes in the large intestine. Feeding for recovery after training or competition. After your horse is cooled out and drinking water, you can feed some soaked alfalfa cubes or pellets or soaked timothy cubes or pellets with one to two teaspoons of sea salt or Himalayan salt plus a banana. The banana provides additional sodium, potassium, chloride, magnesium, and calcium plus important fat-soluble antioxidants, vitamin E and vitamin A. The glucose in the banana helps replenish vital muscle glycogen stores. And the protein in the alfalfa actually improves recovery time in athletes when combined with bananas because protein after exercise aids muscle fiber repair. This recovery meal should be given one to three hours after training or showing. However, horses diagnosed with HYPP should avoid high potassium feeds such as alfalfa, brome hay, soybean meal, molasses, and bananas. Feeding electrolytes. If you feed electrolyte supplements, please follow the manufacturer's directions for use. If you are feeding sea salt or Himalayan loose salt without additional electrolyte supplementation, give one tablespoon once or twice per day in hot weather. Give one to two teaspoons once or twice per day in cool weather. If you feed an electrolyte supplement with sea salt or Himalayan salt, follow directions on the supplement and add one teaspoon sea salt or Himalayan salt once or twice per day. Okay, girls, we're at Coffee Clatch and we have a good topic today or good, good, good thing to talk about. I want to know the top five reasons why horse people have dogs. <laughs> I'll say, would you like me to start? No. No, yeah, yeah, okay, yes. No, yes. don't start yet. Don't start yet. We have to do this. <laughs> Go. Perfect. You're, you're up. Horse people have dogs because horses are too big for living rooms. Yes. Oh. Yes. That's good. That's good. What did you have, Patty P? Well, <laughs> I have horse people have dogs because um, we love the additional work and caring for all the horses just isn't enough to fulfill our lives. <laughs> well, that's a good one. Yes. How about you, Jennifer? Well, you took mine, which was going to be that you can't bring your pony in the house. Oh. So I'm going to go with so that you have somebody to go to the drive-through with you after morning barn chores. Mm. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's good. The drive-through of your choice, whether it be Starbucks, Mickey's, doesn't matter. Yeah, you have to have a friend at the drive. Cuz if you go through the drive-through and you're alone, that means you're a loser. You got nobody. <laughs> you got nothing. So you um. bring your dog along. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I never, I never go through drive-throughs by myself. <laughs> Gavin, you're going on a trip tomorrow with mommy. <laughs> okay, Tigger, what's your number two? Well, she, uh, uh, Jennifer already mentioned it. Okay, so I'm going to my next one, which is <laughs> horse people have dogs. 
Because it costs less than psychotherapy. <laughs> That's true. That's a good one. Because when you live in your living quarters camper, you're always terrified to turn the heater on so that you, for fear of becoming a statistic, and that big ah, fluffy so you- dog will keep you warm. It's safer oh. than your mm-hmm. living quarters. Ah. See? It's safer. Yeah. Think about that. <laughs> That's true. They are. They're safer than your living quarters mm-hmm. here. That's true. Um, my, one of mine is, um, they're super fun on trail rides because just going on a relaxing trail ride by yourself and not having a dog jet in and out of the woods to scare the crap out of you to make your stress level go up and down. It's just not the same, is it? No, no. Yeah. So you got to have that going on. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. And actually my favorite one of all to go trail riding was at Cumber with Gavin because Gavin would go shooting off somewhere and Gavin is a little border terrier. Uh, Jennifer, and um, he's got a little malocclusion of the mouth. <laughs> a little? And just a bit. It's just a bit. But when he comes running up from nowhere, all you hear is, <laughs> and he just scares the crap out of, I don't care what horse you're on, it could have one foot in the grave and that horse is going to go running somewhere. Because you just don't know what it is. Oh so, yeah. He sounds like a zombie coming at him. He's really kind of cute. Yeah. Smells, but he's cute. Okay, Tiggy. <laughs> all right. Horse people have dogs because we can love more than one kind of animal. Aww. <laughs> that was so sweet. <laughs> I, th- I felt I needed to do that after the psychotherapy. Bit. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Jennifer? My next one? Uh, yeah. Horse people have dogs because they usually don't own dishwashers. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. That's a really good one. <laughs> that's a good one. See, I, I, yeah, that's a good one. I, I had the dogs when the kids were young around the um, high chair because they were my vacuum cleaner. I had even thought of that. I think there was an entire year that I didn't feed Boris or two years because Phoebe would always throw food on the ground. That was a good one. Okay. I say horse people have dogs because we're scared to death of snakes and it's easier to send the dog in first to check out if there's a poisonous snake. Now, I know that Hedwig will probably yell at me about that. But probably. I'm just saying, especially if you have a terrorist. All right, Tiggs. Well, I did have horse people have dogs because horses don't ride comfortably in cars. Yeah. <laughs> I think it really is that we just um, truly love the additional work. <laughs> there we go. I think I think a lot of horse people have dogs because that gives you something else to talk about when you're around non-horsey people. That's true. That's true. Oh, I didn't think about that. Yeah. Yeah. That's I also true. thought, you know, there is something about being in the barn, getting barn dirty, and then being greeted by your dirty dog, and it really doesn't matter. <laughs> and your dog never judges you, or should never, you, unless you're Hedwig. <laughs> I think we all know why we have dogs and we have many of them because I once gave Tigger a hat or did you give it to me? I gave it to you. Oh my gosh. Best hat of all. And I'm sure I have it somewhere, but it was a hat and it has all these, it was very brightly covered. It's just a ball cap. And it said, one can never have too many dogs. (laughs) Some, somebody got me a gift. We were uh, pet sitting for some, some friends. When they came back from their trip, they got me a little, one of those little plaques that you get it at uh, touristy tr- stops, but it says dog hair, both a condiment and a fashion accessory. <laughs> <laughs> I gave my mother for her birthday a pillow and it says, what do you mean my grandchild is a dog? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or several dogs. Or several dogs. That's right. That's a grand dog. It doesn't, yeah. there's lots of people out there with grand dogs. I have a grand puppy. My grand puppy is Henley, the, right. an Australian shepherd. And and pretty soon, um, if the trend continues, they're gonna they're going to people be, be people out there with grand chickens. Well, there we go. Five reasons why horse people have dogs. If you have more reasons, yeah, let why us horse know if dogs, you've got a reason that we didn't think we of. Hear about it. I'm sure there are many. People people can uh, can tell us about their reasons for have their reasons for having dogs on the Facebook page, which is it's Healthy Critters Radio. There you go. Facebook. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone, and thanks to our sponsor, Biostar US. You can find them online at biostarus.com. 
Get the Horse Radio Network phone app on iOS or Android by searching for Horse Radio Network in the App Store. It's free and easy to use. For details about today's show, go to HealthyCrittersRadio.com where you can find links, photos, and more information about our guests. As always, we love your feedback. Please follow us on Facebook under Healthy Critters Radio. Be sure to visit all the great shows on Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Love your dog. Hug your horse. Feed your chickens. Clean your litter box. Dance with your goat. Slither with your snake. Howl at the moon. Hang with your hamsters. Party with your parrot. Waddle with your walrus. Outwit your otter. Cuddle your cows. Rap with your raptor. Go chipping with your chipmunks. And forgive your fox. While you're hedging with your hog. Ha, 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 ha.